for the children's challenge. It's challenging. Y'all come on and walk with Brother Charles, Sister Teresa. Up to 13 years old. Wow, that's a good little group of kids, isn't it? Don't y'all look at them as they walk out. That's going to be our future. Amen. While they're getting all that situated, if you have your Bible this morning, turn to Ruth with me. Ruth chapter 1. We've been preaching through Ruth and, and trying to find uh, the nuggets trying to find the, the Word of God that will help us to live our lives for Christ. And uh, went to a funeral yesterday. He was 28 years old, and he died. And that was a tragedy at such an early age. But, you know, if he would have been 48 or 68 or 78, you would say it's too young. Uh, this never seems to be ready for death. But I'd pray this morning... Uh, that as the word of God may be preached to us, that you may be saved and you can be ready for death. Amen. And so here in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16, we'll start reading there. If you don't mind this morning, if you can, you're willing, please stand to our feet and we'll honor God's word by doing that. He's worthy to be honored, isn't he? Amen. Verse 16. And Ruth said... Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name here this morning. Lord, we see in the passage for the first time that a Gentile gets saved. We see that the church today, dear God, that is of the Gentiles and Jew alike, and yet, Lord, we see that it takes the same salvation as it does in that day as it does this day. Lord, there's only one God. There's one Lord. There's one salvation. God, there's one way. I pray this morning, Lord, for anyone and everyone who does not know Christ as their Lord and as their Savior this morning, that they'd consider Christ. Consider their soul. God, we've considered our finances. We've considered our marriages. We've considered our children. We've considered the places we live and the, drive, the cars that we drive and the places we work. We consider a lot of things in our lives. But God, would you help us this morning to consider our soul? God, may we look there this morning and be serious. And God, that we might look to you, Lord, in truth. And Father, may you show us and reveal to us, God, where we are. Can we say this morning, it is well with our soul. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As you read verse 16 and 17, you finally see some light. You see some encouragement. Up to, up to this point here, it's been pretty much discouraging. 
in the story of Ruth with Naomi, Imelech, and with the two sons of theirs. And now we find a little bit, it seems, of a glimpse of hope. We find here in these scriptures in verse 16 and 17, we find a woman who gets saved. We find a woman who gets born again. We find a woman who comes to know the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. A God who had no idea of who this who she was or who she had no idea who this God was, but God had an idea of who she was. Amen. I'm so glad this morning that salvation is not dependent upon me, but salvation is dependent upon God. And how God would call us and draw us unto Himself. I want to show you a few things this morning concerning salvation. Concerning the salvation of Ruth and and uh, my, what a, uh, what, a, what a trophy of God's grace that Ruth was. And we're so glad this morning that she come to know our God. And I want to tell you, first of all, this, this morning, the obstacles to salvation. Do you know there are obstacles to salvation? You would think this morning that if I would say to everyone, 7.7888, billion people that Brother Keith said where there was in the world, that if I would say to every one of them, listen, uh, you know that you're a sinner, and you know that you've sinned, and you're wrong with God, but do you know that the blood of Jesus would forgive you and cleanse you, and that it would pardon your sin, and that you can have a reconciliation with the God of gods and the Lord of lords? Uh, if you would just repent of thy sin and turn to Christ and with faith, and put your trust in Him as Lord and as Savior, you can be saved and you can go to heaven, amen, when you die. And you can live on this earth with sin forgiven, with God in your life, with peace in your heart and rest in your soul. Now, I would think 7.888 people, vegan people would say, yes, I want that. Wouldn't you? I mean, I wouldn't say, and I would think nobody would say, I don't want to be forgiven. And I do want to go to hell, and I don't want to have. Uh, I do want to have a relationship with God, and, and I do uh, want to know for sure that on this life that God can bless me and my family. Well, I would want that. I would think that seven point eight, seven point eight 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 billion people would say yes to that, but you know they don't. You know why? There's obstacles. There's obstacles to salvation this morning, and I noticed there were some obstacles right here uh, with Ruth as well. Now, she overcame them, but many don't. And there may be somebody in this room this morning who you're not saved, and you're not saved because of a reason. You don't know this morning if you go to heaven or not if you die because of a reason. You don't have the assurance in your heart that Christ is Lord and Savior, and there's a reason. And this morning, uh, Jesus is not your Lord, and you're not living for Him. And there's a reason why. It may be one of these obstacles, but I want you to notice the obstacles to salvation. And I want to say one thing this morning, people. People. I would say anyone in this room that's not saved this morning, and you'd ask them, why aren't you saved? I would think that they would probably have some sort of like, well, you know, my daddy. My mama, you know, that person in that church, uh, that individual. 
I knew somebody, they said they were Christian and they, don't, they live like the devil. I don't want nothing to do with that religion. I don't want nothing to do with that type of way of life. It's hypocritical. Uh, they, they're not right. They, they, you know they're not right, but I don't want to be part of that at all. You know what? I would think this morning 99% of all people who don't come to know the Lord, the obstacle is people. People. And they look at people and they say, I don't want anything that they got. There's different types of people, though, that I noticed that was an obstacle to Ruth. Number one, I noticed that Ruth saw disobedient people. Disobedient people. Do you know this morning that there can be a, a child of God, there can be one who's saved, but they're just disobedient. Now, it will find a life of, of, of grievous in that way. It will find a life of difficulty. You'll find a life of being in the woodshed with God. You'll find chastisement with God, discipline with God. That's a miserable life, and he won't go along all the way with you. There's coming a day when he'll draw the line. He'll take you home early. But I say to you, there is some disobedient people. We find that. She found that. In verse 2, Imelech was one of them. Imelech was disobedient with God. There are several reasons. God said not to leave the promised land, and he did. And God said don't go to, don't go to Moab because it's a pagan city, and he did. He did everything that God said not to do, and he did. And so he was disobedient. He took his family, his wife and children, and they took off to Moab and left Bethlehem, Judea, for bread whenever he was in the house of bread. And so here was Ruth. She's looking out to her now her father-in-law, and he, she looked at him, and he was a disobedient uh, believer of the God that he said was God. And so she saw that. Also, she looked at Naomi. Naomi was disobedient. Naomi was one as well that knew what to do, knew what God had to say, uh, knew what was right, and she didn't do it as well. And so now she's known uh, these people who are disobedient people. Uh, they knew they were Israelites. Uh, uh, knew they, she knew they were Israelites. Uh, she knew they worshipped a different God. And she knew they left Bethlehem, Judea, in disobedience. She knew that. Everybody that she would talk to about Naomi and Imelech who would come to Moab, and especially her being the daughter-in-law, uh, looking at that family, that mother-in-law and that father-in-law, they, they, she knew that they were disobedient. She knew that they served, the state, they served a different God, for her God was pagan gods and heathen gods. They were false gods. But she knew that they served the real, true, living God, and she knew that. This was an obstacle for her, disobedient people. Number two. There was also, not only Ruth saw disobedient people, but Ruth saw defiant people. In verse 2, talks about, the Bible says, two sons. Malon, Chilion. Verse 4, the Bible says, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. Who did that? That was Chilion and Malon. He, she was married to one of these boys, and she knew that uh, he was a defiant person. Because for him to marry her, he had, she had, he had to be defiant toward God. And so when she married this man, this man of Bethlehem, Judea, and she is Moab, 
she began to learn a whole lot of things about Bethlehem, Judea, and their religion. And she, one thing she knew was that this Maon and this Chilion, those two sons were defiant against God. And how do you say you know that? Well, these men knew what was required of them. They didn't do it. These two men, they knew what was right. They didn't do it. They also knew what was requested, and they didn't do it. They were rebelling against God's word, against God's will. They were uh, resisting uh, God's word and God's will, and they were rejecting God's word and God's will, and she knew it. And so obstacles. Ruth was, she saw disobedient people, and Emelech and Naomi. She saw defiant people and Chilion and Maon. But then also, thirdly, uh, Ruth saw deceived people. We find there in verse 14. Well, in verse 4, her name is mentioned. Her name is Oprah. In verse 14, the Bible says they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Oprah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. She said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. What happened? She returned back. And so Ruth, looking now, and now she sees a deceived people, Orpah. She's deceived because now she went back. She went back to her people. She was deceived by her husband. She was deceived by her people. And she was deceived by her gods. Right? What we know about the God of Naomi and of Imelech and now the God of Ruth, we find that this Ophir woman was deceived. And she was deceived by her husband because her husband did not give her the truth about what God, who God was. She was deceived by her people because her people didn't tell them about the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob. And she was deceived by her gods because her gods were dead. Her, die, her gods were made out of metal and wood and steel and glass and could not breathe and could not save and could not heal and could not do anything. And yet she put her life into those gods. We find this morning as Ruth is contemplating salvation. She's looking about, and there's some obstacles. Everybody she knows in her life that has some type of connection to the God of salvation is either defiant, disobedient, or deceived. Now, you would think in the world in which we live this morning, you say, that Ruth can't get saved. There's just no way. I mean, everybody she knows uh, is either deceived, defiant, or deceived, or, or dis disobedient. And so she'd look up and she'd say, well, I don't want to be that. I mean, that's their God, and that's the people of God, and, and that's how they act. That's what they do. You know what? And here's one here. She just went on back, my sister-in-law. Went on back to my people. Went back to my gods. And you know what? I wonder if there was any pressure upon Ruth. I wonder if there was any, any, any kind of persuasion upon Ruth to say, listen, I'm going back to who? I mean, Emelech and Naomi, horrible examples. Maon and Chilion, one of my husbands, they were sorry to be Israelites. 
And Henry Ophris, evidently she knows more than I know because she just went on back, evidently saying that there's no value. Uh, there's actually uh, no, no, uh, there's no way that I'm going to invest my life into these people's gods. And in this time right now, I think I'll just go back too. But I wonder, Ruth, coming unto salvation, had some obstacles. I wonder if you have some. And you're saying you're not going to be saved because you don't believe in the God of Abraham. You say that you're not going to be saved because I'm just not ready to get rid of my sin. You say, I'm just not ready to give my life over to God because I'm not ready to be obedient to God. I just don't believe His Word. I believe His Word's written by man. I, I believe that the Word has issues and problems and troubles. And, and you know what? I just don't think I'm ready to give my life to Jesus, not ready to give up my life for the Lord. And so i got obstacles in my life. Is that you? Is that you? Why you don't? We find here about Ruth, though, number two, now, I know there's some obstacles in salvation, and there's some options. There's options in salvation as well. Number one, you can follow your family. You see, this morning the preacher is saying the Word of God is declaring the Holy Spirit of God is drawing, and they're saying unto you, you let go. You lay down your sin." You turn over and you turn to Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior and give Him your life, your heart, and your soul. And you say, what's my options? Well, the options is there's family members that you have that are not saved. There's family members here that are not born again and not serving God and not living for Jesus. You say, I think I just could follow them. That's an option. You could do that. I noticed in verse 15, talking about options this morning and following the family. Uh, in verse 15, Ruth, her sister-in-law, chose another way. Right? That's an option. That's an option for Ruth. She could have went like her sister-in-law. Go back to her people. Go back to her gods. And so there's an option in salvation. When salvation is presented to you, there's an option. And so she could have went back like her sister-in-law. The second option I noticed concerning following her family is that her mother-in-law commanded another way. Not only did her sister-in-law, which is family, she chose another way, but her mother-in-law commanded another way. Naomi, verse 8, she said, Return each to her mother's house. Verse 9, return to your husband's house. The Lord grant you that you might find rest. That's talking about a husband and a house that he would have for her. Verse 11 through 14, return to your own house. And then verse 15, return you to your sister-in-law's house. And so we find that Naomi is to Ruth and saying to Ruth, Hey, Ruth, I command you, go away. Go away from my God. Go away from Bethlehem, Judea. Go away from the salvation that only God can bring. You have an option, Ruth. You can go back like your sister-in-law, or you can do and obey the command of your mother-in-law. Go back to your false dead gods. 
and die and go to hell. That's an option for you. And so we find option. You can follow your family. And there are many here this morning that's going to follow not your father and your mother who loves God and living for Jesus, yet they're not perfect, and yet they make many mistakes, and they're so old we like that, amen? Uh, but then you'll follow an old, old sorry sister. You'll follow old sorry brother. You'll follow old do-nothing do uh, uncle, and you'll follow an old cousin that, that don't love God. You'll follow them, but you won't follow the Lord Jesus this morning. Options. Options. You can not only follow your family, but another option I notice is you can follow your feelings. Verse 9, you'll see the feelings of, of what's going on. It says, Then the Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in your house of your husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. Feelings, right? There's a lot of emotions taking place right here. They said there in verse 10, And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. I mean, it was absolute right there, wasn't it? That me and Ruth, and, uh, we're going to go back with you, Naomi. I mean, our emotions are high. Our feelings are tight. I mean, listen, we're going to go with you. How we already made our mind up. We already decided in our heart. We're going to hang with Naomi. We're going to go with her all the way to Bethlehem, Judea. Oh, she done heard about that God had visited the people and brought forth the bread. And uh, she said, I'm going to get up and go. And they got up and go. And together they were walking. And then Naomi said, return. And they said, oh, no, we're with you, Naomi. Feelings. A lot of people make professions of faith under feelings. The preaching gets heavy. The songs get good. You're starting to feel sorry for yourself. The preacher says, won't you come down here and be saved? And you come running down here hoping that it will save your marriage, hoping to come down here and save your body, uh, save your finances, uh, get you into a better place, to make you a remodel, to get your life. You're in a mess. You're in tight places. You're in tight spots. And you come on down and make a profession of faith, thinking that God's going to move you out of those places and give you a new and make you a fresh and revitalize your home, revitalize your marriage, make you a better mama and better daddy. And you're thinking all these things behind the scene, so I better get saved that's all feelings there's nothing in all that can save anybody you can pray a hundred prayers and be baptized a hundred times in the baptistry with those motives and intents and you'll never come to know God you see feelings don't save you this morning I notice in verse in verse 7 they said the Bible says that they went out on the way to return unto the land of Judah, following their feelings. Verse 6, there was joy. The Lord had visited his people and giving them bread. And so there was joy within Oprah and unto Ruth and unto Naomi. Joy! Hey, man, we're in Moab, the land of waste. Let's go on down to Bethlehem, Judea. God done visited them people. Let's get where God's at. Boy, there's some joy. That's a feeling, though. That's a feeling. You don't get saved by joy. We find number two. I noticed there was hope. Verse 7, it says, And they went on their way. 
No doubt in the mind of Naomi and Ruth and Oprah. Oprah, man, listen, there's hope down there in Bethlehem, Judea. There ain't much going on down here in Moab. This is wasteland. Let's get on down there. And so they took off, and they hammering down toward Bethlehem, Judea, because there was hope. Hope. But hope won't get you there either. We find number three in the way of feelings. There was, there was a, a disappointment. Verse 8 says, Naomi said to him, go, return. Oh, man, Naomi, that's disappointing. But disappointment is a feeling. Then number four, I noticed there was an affection. Verse 9, that Naomi kissed them. Man, that will make you feel good, won't it? Unless you're Judas kissing Jesus. I mean, all kisses seem to be sweet, don't they? I mean, all kisses seem to be good. Hey, you ever kiss somebody and they say, well, you didn't really mean it? Man, come on. Then you got to kiss them again? That's like that controlling person Brother Keith was talking about. All I'm saying this morning, kissing is a feeling. When you get kissed, you feel good. When you're kissing, you feel good. It's a good feeling. Amen, unless you get kissed by Judas. We find this morning there's affection. But then we notice there was sorrow. Verse 9, the Bible said they lifted up their voice and wept. That's a feeling. Weeping. Feeling. There was assurance. In verse 10, surely, they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And so there was an assurance. There was a feeling. All these are feelings. And there was a bunch of feelings going on in the way of an option. You can follow this morning your family, and they'll lead you right to hell. Or you can follow your feelings, and they'll lead you to hell as well. Or number three, you can follow. Here's, these are just options. I just laid them out to you. You do what you please and how you want to. You can follow the facts. The facts, verse 11 was that there was no husbands for Naomi. Naomi said to them in a way, listen, girls, y'all go back home and let God find you a husband because within this womb, there ain't no husband. These are just facts. I'm not going to bear another boy. And if I do bear another boy, will you wait? Until the boy gets of age. That's just facts. There was no husbands for it with Naomi. And so without no husbands, verse 12, there's no hope with Naomi. If Naomi cannot produce another man, another boy, another child, and for me to have a husband, well, there's no hope with that. I'm just trying to give you facts. You can follow the facts. Number three, there was no happiness with Naomi, meaning that uh, in verse 13, uh, there, you, without a husband, you're not going to have happiness. In those days, I guess it might be like this day. I know there's a lot of women say, I don't need a man. You're ignorant. You do need a man. You know why you need a man? Because God said you need a man. Right? A woman needs a man. A man needs a woman. That's the way God said Regardless of your feelings or your thoughts or your theological about it, it doesn't matter. What matters is what God says. 
And God said uh, that now there is no happiness without this man in this woman's lives. Because during, especially during those days, uh, women didn't go out and, and do the work. Men, women didn't go out and make a living. Women didn't go out and, and do those. But you got married and you had children and the husband provided and the husband took care of you and the husband brought you to the place of respectability for it was him that he brought forth into the home. That hasn't changed much, but the world has. And we find this morning, you can follow the facts if you want to, or you can follow the feelings, or you can follow the family this morning. We also notice that on the facts, that because of the facts were there, that Oprah returned. Verse 14 and verse 15, we found Oprah returned to her home. Oprah returned because of her heart, and Oprah returned for herself. How do you know it's for herself? Well, she returned back to her people. That's herself. Her people were more important. Her people were more sufficient. Her people was more in her heart than going to Bethlehem, Judea, where God had visited the people. We find that she returned. And she returned to her gods. The gods in which she was familiar with. The gods in which she had altars with. The gods which she had times of worship with. The gods of times whenever she had places and people who were just lifting up and praising these gods. She said, I'm going to go back to them. And she returned. These are just facts. So she took the facts. And she went back. But then fourthly this morning, you can follow the faith. Follow the faith. Now Ruth, the Bible says uh, there in verse 14, after her, daughter, her sister-in-law returned, the Bible says that Ruth clave unto her. Clay, Ruth said, listen, I'm going to live on this thing with these options, I, I can either take my family, I can take my feelings, I can take the facts, or I can just take faith. And Ruth took faith. And how do we know she took faith? Because she claved unto Naomi. Uh, faith convinced her that the God of Naomi is the God in which she would want to believe in. She not only by the way of claiming on the Ruth identified and emphasized, but faith converted her. Something happened to Ruth or why she would clave unto Naomi. And then thirdly, we notice faith changed her. Why would Ruth not go back? Why wouldn't Ruth Go back to Moab and live with her family, live with her gods, and live in a place where she's always been. Something changed her. Faith. Faith changed her. Can I say here thirdly? Not only is there obstacles in salvation and there's options with salvation, but there's obedience for salvation. If any one of us this morning are ever going to know God, we're going to have to be faithful. We're going to have to be obedient to God's Word. Amen? 
Every single one of us, when God said, or the Lord Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, repent and, and re believe and repent, the gospel, the gospel has been preached, and uh, the kingdom of God is at hand, he was saying to you and I, believe and repent, and the only way to do that is to obey. Right? We got to obey what Jesus said, or we can't be saved. And so salvation this morning is all about obedience. We don't get saved by works. We get saved by obeying the Word of God and what it says. It says, Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And so how we're not going to perish is by repenting because Jesus said repent. Amen. So obedience. Obedience. We find this morning that's exactly what Ruth has done. We notice, number one, by, about her, she's a Moabitess. And we see that in chapter 1 and there in that uh, well I didn't write that scripture down but she's a Moabitess this morning according to the scripture and we find as she being a Moabitess this morning there was an exclusion from her being a Moabitess. Here in chap chapter 1 verse 22 so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabitess. So we find because she's a Moabitess that there was an exclusion of her. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3, you can just write that down and go look at it in just a moment. But this is what it says. It says, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation they shall not enter to the congregation of the Lord forever. And so now we find a woman, according to verse 4, she was a woman of Moab. We find in verse 22, she was the Moabitess. She was out of Moab, fully 100% Moabitess. And now the Bible says in Deuteronomy that she's forever, forever, I mean ever, cannot go into the congregation of the Lord. She's excluded. I guess God's now in a, in a pickle. I mean, listen, Fred, I mean, here you are. You, you put her on the heart of a woman like a Ruth who's a pagan. A, she's a heathen. She's worshiping false gods. And, uh, and here she marries into an Israelite family that has no ability to serve him, obey him. And now she's done turn her heart towards God, clave unto Naomi. And friend, in verse 16 and verse 17 is her testimony describing and giving us an example of how to be saved and born again and washed in the blood of the Lamb this morning. And then Deuteronomy chapter 23, 3 says, mm -mm. the exclusion. But can I say to you this morning, the Bible also says the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. So if any of us this morning, any of us has ever committed a sin, then you are separated. You are separated from God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if there's anybody in this room who's ever sinned one time, you've come short. You're excluded. She's no different than us this morning. We're all excluded 
The Bible says we're separated from God's favor, we're separated from God's people, and we're separated from God's house. Amen? We're separated from God's church because of sin. And she is as well because of being a Mobitis. So we see the exclusion of the Mobitis. Number two, we see the existence of the Mobitis. We see that this Mobitis was born in a pagan. She was born as a pagan. She was also uh, believed in pagan gods. Talking about her existence. She behaved as a pagan people. And uh, she belonged to a pagan society. Amen. That's where she come from. Well, you know, you and I this morning know a little better than that. We're all born a sinner. We all live the sinful life. We're amongst a sinful society. And we find this morning that we believe in, in dead gods as we grew up. And even some of us today, you still have gods in your life. You're an adulterer. You love money. You love things. You love women. You love men. You love career. You, you love anything and everything more than you love God. You love pleasures more than you love God. And pleasure's an idol to you. We find this woman here was not excluded because of the Scripture, but also we notice here that her existence was defiled and said to us that she's just a Gentile, she's a foreigner, she's a sinner, she's an unbeliever, just like you and I. Isn't that something? We know number three. Not the exclusion of the Mobites and the existence of the Mobites, but I notice the experience of the Mobites. We see that Israel sinned. She knew that because in chapter 1, verse 1, uh, the Bible says that God sent a famine. You know what she saw? She saw God's judgment. That's what she saw. And as she saw, I can just imagine as, as Chilion or Mayan, whoever she was married to, uh, as he came in to the town of Moab for the first time, and she saw him and he saw her, and she fell madly in love with this fella, and they were married there for 10 years there in Moab, uh, that uh, she would say, man, where did you come from? Where you been all my life? You know how you talk that kind of joke stuff, Right? I mean, if you never came in my life, there would be, I wouldn't even want to live. I mean, listen, friend, you're so fine, you blow my mind. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all probably said that before. So, Maylon Chile, I just showed up down at Moab, just got the corner. And here, here comes old Ruth out there. Here comes old Oprah out there. Woo! I'm going to marry that one. Have right there, where you come from? I'm from Bethlehem, Judea. Oh, he's one of those Israelite boys. Man, I tell you what. What are y'all here for? Oh man, we're down, we're down here because there ain't no bread up in the Bethlehem, Judea. And my mama, my mama Naomi, and my daddy Emelech, uh, they said, listen, we need to get down here to Moab. 
Yeah, what happened up there? Why you ain't, why you got a famine? Well, you know, our people, you know, they're, they're pretty sorry. They're in sin. I mean, you know, everything in the world they're doing besides serving God. And, and the Bible teaches us all through the Scripture, uh, all through the Pentateuch. We memorize uh, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy because what Israelites do, we, we memorize all those five books of the Bible. And she did they start telling, you know, when you sin against this God, uh, he's going to send judgment. And he sent judgment. He sent a famine. He said, we had to get out of there. We're going to starve to death. I'm so glad you came to Moab. I now get to know you. We get to have, get married. We're going to have children. We're going to live a wonderful life. I can just imagine. So she saw the judgment of God. She saw that Israel had sinned and God had sent a famine. And then she saw that Israel sinned. God sent death. In verse 3 we find that, that Imelech died. She saw that. And then she saw her husband die and her brother-in-law die. You know what she saw? She saw God's judgment. She saw when the Israelite sins against God and disobeys God and continues to live in that way of life that God kills them. You can't live in sin and live. She saw God's judgment. Number two, she knew now that God judges sin. Would you agree? Number two, I noticed that she saw God's mercy. In verse 6, the Bible says, Then she rose with her daughters-in-law. Now, three is dead and she's alone. And she might return to the country of Moab. You know what she saw? She saw God's mercy. Mercy on Naomi. Because God could have took Naomi home as well. But God let Naomi live. And boy, I could see this Ruth looking at Naomi and say, Boy, God's power, what power he has to take life and to give life. I could see him. Boy, look at God's passion upon you, Naomi. He let you live. You're still amongst us. we just got three widows here. And boy, I tell you, Naomi, we're so glad God let you live. What the mercy of God that is. Because she didn't deserve to live. But God's mercy let her live. God provided for us, Naomi. Look at this. God has visited his people. And God has brought forth the bread. All these people didn't deserve it. They were sinful. They were wicked. They were ungodly. And God said a famine. And all of a sudden God visited his people. That's mercy. Them people didn't deserve that. Naomi didn't deserve that. Oh, here's old Ruth now. Remember a while ago she had all those obstacles? Remember she had, some, she had those old options to go by? Now, boy, she's unheard about and saw this, this judgment. I don't know if I want to be under the judgment of God. Do you? I don't want to find myself under the heavy hand of God. It's a fearful thing to what? Yeah. Hey, Naomi, I see God's mercy on you, though. I like that. I'm just no pagan heathen Mobitis. That God has such judgment, such power. 
He's got such mercy and compassion and loving to you. Look what he's done. It had to tug on her heart. Oh, can I say she knew God's mercy. Uh, but then I noticed she felt God's grace. Because God didn't kill Naomi. God told Naomi about the home in verse 6. That's God's grace. He told her about it. You know, God could have met his people but never let Naomi know about it. Right? But he did. That's grace. God dealt with Naomi not with death. Verse 13. It says at the last portion of it. For it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone against me. But not the killer. That's grace. God gave Naomi to Ruth. And Ruth to Naomi. God knew that this young woman out of Mobah, out of Moab, is going to be lost without God. Don't have a chance with all the examples that were before her. Had all absolutely no way to reach God. No way to come to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And next thing you know, Fred, she sees the judgment of God. She sees the mercy of God. She sees the grace of God. And she knew that that Naomi, even though she wasn't right, that God put forth grace so that she could have her. You know what it takes this morning to be saved? It takes this morning that you would see God's grace. You would see God's mercy. And you'd see God's judgment. That's right. Can I say here thirdly this morning, the evidence of Mobatus. Not only the experience that she's had, but the evidence of it. Verse 16. She demonstrated repentance. The Bible says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my, my God. You know what? She demonstrated repentance. What is repentance today? Well, you can't get saved outside of it. Unless God gives it to you, you can't, be, you can't even repent. Oh, but God's grace and God's mercy and God's judgment can bring forth this. We find, she said, I have left my home. That's what she's saying right there. She said, Ruth, entreat me to, not to leave thee, nor return from following after thee. In order for her to do that, she's got to leave her home. Repentance is leaving your home. There's no hope at home now. Since I turned to God. There hasn't been no home. No hope in her home. Nobody in her home told her about the God of Abraham. Nobody in her home showed the grace and the mercy and the judgment of God. Nobody in her home cared for her soul. She repented. She said, I, I come to a place in my life and my heart, man, that I'm going to leave my home. There was no hope there. There was no help there. And there was no happiness there. And we got to understand and know this morning uh, that when we repent, we've got to let go. And we've got to leave 
the very comforts of our life and the very home in which we lived upon and the very beliefs and all that were there and all the things that were in our lives prior to repentance. We've got to let it go. Only grace and mercy and judgment can bring you there. She said, I, I'm holding on to you, man. And I, please entreat me to follow you. And I'm going to go with you wherever you go. That repentance is saying, I'm, I'm letting go. Everything that I had at home, Moab, all my friends and all my family and all my doings and all my settings and all my dreams and all that I had thought of, over. Repentance. Repentance. Number two, she said, I've left not only my home, but I've left my gods. With the gods that I had in Moab, there was no grace. The gods of Moab have no mercy. And the gods of Moab have no judgment. And she said to her in verse 16, I will lodge thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. I lay down my idolatrous ways of life. I no longer love money. I no longer love women. I no longer love wine. I no longer love wisdom. I no longer love this world. I lay it down. I put it behind me. I say no to everything that I was and everything that I'm in and everything that I've done and all of my dreams and hopes and promises and visions. They say no to them. I look to God and say, I'll go with you. Repentance. See, a lot of y'all don't, a lot of people don't want to repent. But you know what? She'd have never been to Bethlehem, Judea if she'd have never left home. She'd have never left her God. She'd have never went to the God. You're going to have to quit. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to give up. You're going to have to come to a place in your life and say, you know what? I'm done. I'm through. All that I am and all that I've done and whoever I am, I lay it down. You're not going to be saved. I don't care how many times you pray. And I can come over here and say, okay, you pray after me. Or, or I tell you, okay, listen, you come over here you pray this prayer. And yes, Jesus has saved you and come into your heart and this, that, and the other today. But you have not repented. It will not matter. Because she could have believed in the God of, of Israelite, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She could have put her heart in him, but if she had never left Moab, she would have never been saved. She had never left her gods. She would have never been saved. She left. Just wiped it clean. We find that she left not only her home, she left her gods, but she said, I have left my life. I don't want to be who I am. Look at it, read it, verse 16 and 17. Ruth, entreat me to leave thee, or return following after thee. Now listen to what she's saying. For whether thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, thy God, my God. Will thou diest, will I die. And then will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And more also, if aught death part thee and me. She's saying, I have now left my life. I, I don't want to be who I am. I don't want to be what I am. And I don't want to be where I am. Is there any sinner in the room this morning can ever come to the place of repentance and say, I don't want to be who I am. I don't want to be what I am. I don't want to be where I am. I lay it all down. 
give it all up. I allowed Jesus this morning to take my life. And that's where she was. We find this morning, secondly, she forsook all, left all, let things go. But then she demonstrates not only repentance, but then she demonstrates faith. She said, I will put my faith in God. For she says to Naomi, she says, Thy God, capital G. If you go back up to verse 15, Naomi talks about her gods, their little g. And she comes now and says, Thou God, my God. That God, who's the God of Naomi? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God this morning that you and I would call Jesus. And she said to him, I will put my faith in him. I will put my faith in Christ. I will put my faith in the Lord this morning. And she said, also, I will put my faith with God's people. She said, I will join them in verse, in verse 16. I will, I, thy people shall be my people. And she said, listen, I will place my faith with God's people to join them, to be them. Thy people shall be my people. And when you come to faith in Christ, what you're saying is this, is I will be the church. And I will join myself with the church. And I will support the church. And I will love the church. And I'll be part of the church. Participate in the church. I will be there for the church. For I am the church. I will be them people and them people will be me. You'll not have faith in Christ and, and separate yourself from the church. You'll not love Jesus, his, the head, and not love the body. You'll not be born again without the church being your life. I'm sorry. Many, many, many people say, I can be a Christian without the church. You're dead dog wrong. And one day when you stand before God, you're going to know how wrong you are. So what did she do? Well, she just put her faith. She put her faith in, in God. She put her faith in the, with God's people and Number three, she positioned her faith in God's land. She said, I'm going home. I'm going to the land of God. I'm going to the land of promise. I'm going to the land of blessings. Where thou goest, I go. And what she's saying is this, is I am so faith in this God and his people and his land. I'm ready to go. If it's the eternity today, I'm ready to go. If it's the abundant life in the world in which we live, I'm ready to go. I just know that I'm going to live for God wherever I go. Amen. Woo! We're talking about real salvation. And we find her this morning. She planted my faith. She said, I plant my faith in God's eternity. For where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. I will live for him. I'll die for him. I will continue with him. Now here lastly I close the event of the Mobites. She was convinced by God of sin, judgment, and righteousness. She was convinced of that. She was converted by God. She became born again. She became a new creature. She became a child of God. She was changed by God. He was changed by His grace, changed by His mercy, and changed by His love. 
Ruth never returned back to her gods. Ruth never returned back to her people. Ruth never returned back to her home. You see, many this morning want to be saved, but never come out of the world. And many people today, you, can, you can't be in Moab, the world, and in Bethlehem, the church, at the same time. You can't have gods and have God at the same time. You can't hold on to the past and the present at the same time. If God saves you this morning, you'll be saved. And you'll come out of Moab. You'll come out of the world. And you'll be leaving Moab and you'll be going to Bethlehem, Judea. And you're on your way. I wonder this morning, will you consider your soul? Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I tried to give you my best this morning on the way how God saves Gentiles. I pray this morning if there's any boy, girl, mom, dad, husband, wife, you've just never come out of the world. You're still in that place. Would you come? Would you come and give God the opportunity? To save your soul. Would you come this morning? If you're not 100% sure that if you die right now, you'd go to heaven. Come on. Man, I got some assurance right here in this word. Assurance. Security. I'm telling you. God will save your soul. He wants to. Jesus died on the cross. And shed his blood so that Ruth can be saved. You're going to find later in the chapter, many of y'all know this, but she became somebody. Yeah. She got in the lineage of Christ. Are you in the lineage of Christ? Would somebody open up the Lamb's Book of Life this morning? And will they read off your name? Will they read your name? You sing, Brother George. One verse, if nobody comes, we'll go home. May the Spirit of God continue to work on our hearts. I pray you come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to continue and finish out this chapter. Man, it's going to be good. It's going to be good with God. We just get to hear more about him, about what he's doing. I love the word of God. I love the preaching of God's word. I love God's people. I love to hear the turning of the Bible. I love to hear the singing. I love to hear the people praying. I love to hear the giving. I love to hear when people are rustling in. I love to hear the, the time of talking between each other. The church, oh, the church. Glory to your name. I would pray that you're the church. The heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother George, brother, if you would dismiss us this morning, if you don't mind.
Yes. That's 